Hello, creepy cats. Welcome to our podcast. Our first week's theme will be killer twins who possibly experienced shared psychotic disorders, aka fully Adele. The story is incredibly dark, violent, and involves murder. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, everybody. We're here with our new podcast. Ew, Ew that's, that's creepy. And it's <laughs> Jackie here today. I'm going to be telling the first episode, and this week's theme is Killer Twins. How <laughs> fitting for us since we're twins. <laughs> and I'm Melissa, and I will be telling next week's episode involving Killer Twins, but for today, Jackie, take it away, girl. Yeah, let's just get right into <laughs> it. So this week's story is about Jean and Jane Hopkins. Um, this story is from the 80s, so I'll just say this. Didn't have a lot of research. It was kind of hard to find things, but I actually saw this on an episode of Evil Twins, the <laughs> ID show. I know, okay. such a guilty pleasure. Let's just say ID has a show for everything now. I know, they literally do, and can you believe there are six seasons of Evil Twins? Six? And they're an hour long, so that's like 60, 60... 60 sets of twins. Who kill? <laughs> Which is insane. Well, but at, least this we, one... at least we know we'll have 60 more episodes. <laughs> right, yeah, but we could just do every single story of Twins Who Kill. But <laughs> this one, I'm... Um, Almost positive is season four, episode two, if anybody is so curious that they want to watch the episode two. It's pretty good, but <laughs> beware, the show is a little cheesy. That's what we love about them, though. Yeah, that's true. That does make them great. So let's just uh, get started with their tale. Um, the twins were born into a really <clears throat> good family. They were born in... You okay? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they were born in Van Buren, Arkansas. Uh, their dad was involved in real estate and some other things. I think he owned um, a business. And their mom was a stay-at-home mom. And the twins were the youngest of four children. I couldn't really find anything about their other siblings, though. Like, I wanted to see, you know, what was up with them. But Were I they boys anything. or girls? Do you know? I literally know nothing. Huh? Yeah, this... I guess just because it's from the 80s, there's not much, so. Okay. Yeah, but the twins were really close. They were fraternal, but they looked pretty identical, and they dressed identical, too. So, they were basically best friends. Um, they weren't competitive. They had their own interests. Their family was obviously pretty wealthy, since their dad, like, owned the, his own company and stuff, and the mom, like, was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. So, they had some wealth, but everyone said the twins were really humble and really nice, so they weren't little brats or nothing. Cute. Yeah, and so, um, Jean was more social. She was kind of the Miss Social twin. She was Miss Van Buren High School in <laughs> I know. It's so cute. I know, and council president. I don't 
even know like what that is. School council. Oh, duh. Of course I know what that is. I guess I don't know what Miss Van Buren High School is, like, what your duties would entail being maybe, Miss High School. Maybe that was just, like, their prom. Yeah, thing. that's true. It might have been, but still sounds, like, 80s and cute. Mm-hmm. But, so, Jane is, like, more studious. She kind of stays at home and reads, does that sort of thing. Aw. So, um, 1974, this is the year that they graduate, and they go to the University of Arkansas together. They both have their own separate lives a little bit now. They're obviously still just as close, but um, Jean, like, partied more, you know, since she's just the more social one and did more of the networking type thing while Jane was studying for chemical engineering. And they both graduated with honors, so they're both really smart, obviously. Okay. Is it safe to say they were opposites, or... Yeah, I guess so. I guess they're pretty... Yeah, like that stereotypical one parties and one studies. So, (laughs) yeah, I would say so. But they're definitely still really, really close, like us two. Like best friends. Yeah. Besties. So... Love that. Yeah, me too. Jean goes to Southern Methodist University, and Jane goes to Harvard Grad School. That's wow. how, yeah, Southern Methodist is um, a grad school. So, and they said that that was, like, the epitome of, like, Southern charm, like, for being just a Southern girl going to that school, and Jean being, like, so pretty, and the socialite one they said yeah she was just kind of like the epitome of I guess like a southern belle and that's incredibly impressive for the both yeah, of them they're to it. be able to get into those schools good for them yeah they're killing Harvard. it Harvard mm-hmm Go yeah on. so at this point though they obviously have to separate but they wrote no. I know so sad <laughs> but they wrote letters to each other and they talk on the phone like all the time so they were still trying really hard to be close which is cute. So after school, Jean gets hired at Goldman Sachs. Girl. Yeah, so if you guys um know, Goldman Sachs is like prestigious as hell. Yeah. <laughs> to be working there, that's pretty impressive. So Incredibly. They're I'm girl sure, bosses. Yeah. Not only is that impressive, I would imagine she was making very good money. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. And um I know that Jane got a job, too, but I can't remember exactly where they said that she worked. But I know her main priority was that she met Clayton Elliott Jr. And she... Also Southern as hell. Yeah, uh so Southern. And they just fall madly in love, and um, they get married, I think, like, right either after college or at the end of her college, and... Um, he was also from a very prestigious family, and their marriage was actually covered by the New York Times. There was a little article. What? Yeah, there was a little article in the New York Times that just basically said that them two got married, and that they were, it said, like, she is the child of blank and blank, and he is the son of blank and blank. Do you know what this is remi- <coughs> This is reminding me of Steel Magnolias in the beginning when Julia Roberts yeah. marries the lawyer and they have that huge wedding. It's very much like that, I imagine. So, yeah, she gets married, and then 
Jean, almost around the same time, also falls in love. And one year later, she marries Raymond Bird. So now the twins are both married. They're both out of grad school with good jobs. And it's looking good. And Jean ends up moving to Dallas um, with her husband. But when she gets there, um, things kind of take a turn, I would say. No. Uh, all of a sudden, kind of when they get to Dallas, Jean develops this fear that somebody is watching her and kind of stalking her. She believes that somebody from college, somebody from her past, they didn't go into any detail about who this person was, what sort of relationship um, Jean had with this person in college or okay. anything of that nature. They just say it's a man that she knew from college who Jean believed was stalking her and was out to get her. Remind me again, was Jean the more quiet one or? No, she's the more social one. Uh, oh. Yeah, she's the more social one and she starts to believe that so heavily that she reported it and um, the police investigated it, but they really found, like, no evidence of it. I mean, even if he was just watching her, like, what evidence would they really find? Yeah. But I she guess. believed that he was, like, in the windows and... Ew. Yeah, so creepy stuff, but was watching her, like, inside her home and that she wasn't safe. Definitely, she made it quite clear to friends that she didn't feel safe by this person's presence. So... This escalates quite quickly because Jean ends up quitting her job at Goldman Sachs. No. What? Yeah. Which, it's sad, but she starts to quit her job because she's just so paranoid that... Sorry. <laughs> she's just so paranoid that she's being watched and this person's following her that she didn't want to go anywhere and she didn't want to leave the house. So she just quit her job so she didn't have to leave. So, it must be pretty severe, her, um, what's that word? Paranoia? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was like, it starts with a P. Gosh, you girl. Thank you. Her paranoia must have been pretty severe because not only did she call the police, but she literally quit her nice as hell job. So, mm -hmm. she's not playing. But, luckily, Jane's husband got a job in Dallas around this time that, um, Jean is kind of struggling. So, Jane and her man up and move to Dallas <laughs> and they end up living on the same street as Jean and they live like just a couple houses down. Goals. Yeah, and they hang out a lot. I'm like, that's amazing. That will be us. Right? I want that. It will be us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jane like is obviously there trying to help her sister, trying to comfort her and just be there for her. And when Jane got there, it kind of seemed that the man just like disappeared. Like, Jean just didn't really see okay. him. Yeah, and that could just be because, you know, this person is... If someone is watching her and they see that, you know, her sister moved a couple doors down, maybe they are taking a step back, like, they're on to me type thing. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, after moving... Shortly after moving to Dallas, Jane ended up having a baby. And a couple years later... So nothing happened, like, for a couple years. Three years, everything's fine. Okay. Three years later, both the twins are pregnant at the same time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so... This is so cute again. I know. 
So Jane is pregnant with her um, second baby. And yeah, Jean has her first baby at the same time. And it's great. They end up having multiple kids and everything seems okay. That's precious. Yeah. But <laughs> it's not. Because oh. Jean all of a sudden thinks that the man is back and she is paranoid. So, well, actually, they don't have their kids. Not yet. Sorry. Not for um, Jean. Okay. <laughs> Jane already has a kid, but not Jean yet. Mm-hmm. But she is paranoid. And did she just, say like she saw him or? Yeah, I'm assuming. I mean, they don't go into so much detail. Like, I don't think anybody. The show. Yeah. Like the show doesn't. And no articles do because I just don't think that anybody really knew the extent to what they were seeing. I, other than each other, I think the twins probably told each other a lot. So it's like, I okay. and I think they're just a private family. I don't. And think I'm sure in a the lot of 80s, people, people probably were just like, okay, well, what do you want us to do about it? Exactly. I don't think there was a lot of people to really like tell the extent of what mm. Jean thought was going on. So all we really know is that Jean just all of a sudden thinks that the man is back and starts to be paranoid again. But at the same time, um, Jane's marriage is kind of crumbling. She's like, yeah, she's going through it. Um, it says that they're just like, Jane is just fighting with her husband a lot and, uh, they end up getting a divorce and the husband says that like, because of irreconcilable, you know that word where they say irreconcilable damages, whatever Uh that word it is so hard to pronounce. Yep. But they had that. <laughs> and they couldn't fix it, girl. They couldn't fix it. So they end up having to get a divorce. And the husband says that Jane takes her anger out, like, on him, on the kids. Like, oh. the pent-up anger that she has for her husband, he says that he takes out on the kids. And that's kind of why I believe that he filed for divorce. But like, since, do they mean physically, or she wouldn't yell at no, them? No, I think just emotionally, just like yell oh. at them and stuff, and probably just be frustrated with them and stuff okay. like that. But because it's basically the eighties, still bad. But. Yeah, it is. But the judge ends up giving custody to Jane anyway. Yeah, yeah, of course. And the um, husband can just visit and have like partial custody or whatever visitation. Yeah, on the weekends. Um. I believe so, at first, but he obviously wasn't happy about that, but regardless, Jane had definitely had the majority of the custody. Okay. Which is like, I don't know why the judge thought that was fit when he's saying that he takes the anger, she takes the anger on the kids, but whatever. But, so, this kind of starts like Jane has her own downfall a little bit and I think that this was the first time that this took away from like her perfect image that she had her whole life growing up because I mean it's the 80s but they're in Dallas Texas which is like I'm sure in the neighborhood they have which is money and they're getting a divorce so I think that really um hit home for her and around this same time Jane starts to see this man that Jean was seeing as well, and she believes... What? Yeah. She now, too, believes that she's seeing this man in her window, and she's really scared, and she thinks that this guy could, like, really hurt her, 
And so, and this point, this is six years since Jean first saw this man. And yeah, now it's that Jane thinks that she's seeing him too. And oh Jane, my goodness. Yeah, and Jean does too. So, I think, yeah. <laughs> I Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not that hard to... It's not that hard to imagine when they live on the same street that if it was, if they're, you know, if someone was stalking one sister, he, yeah, could, he could easily just walk two houses he down. Could easily pick up on the fact that they lived right next to each and other. And they're twins. Yeah. It's not so unbelievable, but it's just like, okay. damn. <laughs> so Jean is terrified. Jane is terrified. I think they're both spiraling. But at this point, Jean starts to spiral a little bit more. She goes into a mental hospital because she's suicidal, which is really sad. Um, the doctor is telling that she is bipolar and that she has... Her bipolar is um, very heavy on the manic side. They believe this is oh, no. where the image of the man is coming from and they actually believe that the man is just a very thorough illusion <gasps> that Jean has been seeing due to her manic um state and her bipolar disorder hasn't been treated at all her whole life so the mm. added stress I'm sure of starting a family moving somewhere and living with this mental job. illness, yeah, and having absolutely no treatment kind of pushed her over the edge, and the doctors kind of just told her all this. That's sad. Yeah, and they kind of just told her that the man was just an illusion. He wasn't real. So they give her hmm. medication, um, and she stays at the uh mental hospital for a little bit she doesn't leave at first they give her the medication and kind of see how she reacts to that and just give her some time to recover in the hospital i'm sure not only hearing that you have uh that you're bipolar but also hearing that the fear you've been having is just an illusion is a lot to take in so they give and, her some time well her sister saw it too so then that's something to explain as well girl yeah so, I would be shook. Jane obviously visits her sister, is obviously told about this by the doctors. It's not like she's not going to know. Yeah. But she's still scared, and she is still believing in this man. She still thinks that he is a threat to her and is very much terrified. <clears throat> so, at this point, while Jane is in the hospital, kind of on the up and up and getting better... Jane is starting to get worse and start to spiral even more, but she never says anything about it, and she keeps it all to herself, and I think this is definitely why she starts getting worse and why Jean is getting better is because Jean is in the hospital, and this whole time while Jean is in the hospital, she's not seeing the man, not saying anything about that. Is she on medication when she's in the hospital? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I... Said that, that they gave her some medication. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> they gave her medication, and I think they were letting her... They were, like, seeing how she would react on the medication mm -hmm. before letting her out. Gotcha. And I think because Jane was just the more reserved one, that's why she kept it to herself. And just because 
I mean, if Jean is going through all this, I'm sure she didn't really want to, like, bring it up mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, I'm also seeing that. So she kind of just kept it to herself. But Jean starts taking medication and sees vast improvements, starts to improve pretty quickly, and she's released from the hospital. And so she... Oh, actually, she must have had her child in between here because, I'm sorry, <laughs> she gets pregnant again. Girl. I'm sorry, this because this is in the 80s and this all happens just in a jumble. It's kind of hard to keep their lives, like, straight in because their names are Jean and Jane. But... Okay, so now both of them are have two kids each. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, Jane has two. Jean has one, and she's pregnant with one again now. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so she gets pregnant again, I'm assuming, right after she gets out of the hospital. And it's starting to get better. <laughs> you made it sound like, like the day she got home. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, no. But because she gets out and finds out that she's pregnant, the doctors say that she has to um, stop taking her medicine. So it's oh, kind of like, no. Oh, I know. It's like she just started getting better, god damn it. Yeah, and they take <laughs> have to take her off of it. So as sad as it and too, she has to stop it abruptly. Because they said that uh, yeah. Well that's said, going to be great. Yeah, which is and one of the worst pregnant. things you can do is stop taking a mental health or any sort of prescribed medica- medication <laughs> like automatically. Or abruptly. I'm sure that's horrible for your body. And your mind. So, two months into her pregnancy, she starts having the delusions again that people are following her and that this guy, you know, the whole thing, he's there. Two months. Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's okay. But once again, she's so paranoid that she just doesn't know what to do with herself and she ends up telling Jane about it, and they both kind of share this delusion together. Uh, again. Which is, yeah, kind of like the worst thing you can do. Because I think that this is starting to create a little folie du moment, if you know what I mean. Okay, I've heard of this before. Yeah, so that is like the means that... You can actually induce psychosis in somebody else or that you and another can have a shared delusion. So they basically believe that that's what's happening right now is that this is a case of folia de in which because the twins, they often say too that this disorder is more common in twins. I think just because of the close nature of twins and all that stuff that they, yeah, they easily could have fallen victim to this and had this shared psychosis where they're both seeing the same thing. And so I think for them to talk about it and kind of, like, revel in the their delusion is just making this, like, ten times worse. Mm-hmm. And it's probably, like, the worst thing they can do. But, of course, who wouldn't vent about that to your sister if you think you're seeing that? Right, right. So Jean is really really paranoid she starts putting post-it notes all over the house and won't speak out loud what 
Because she thinks that her house is bugged. Oh, she thinks someone... Wait. Yeah, she how? thinks that somebody bugged her house, so she doesn't is want she to staying speak. Is she home all... Sorry, not even to cut you off, but is she staying home all the time? How I, could someone come in and bug her house? Isn't she not working? No, she's not. So that's the level of paranoia. Oh. Yeah, it is sad. Oh. But she, yeah, so she won't talk. She thinks that someone's listening to her. Um... One night, her husband comes home pretty late, and she prepares a meal for her and her kids that she believed was going to kill them all. So, she put her Did leftover... Did she tell him that? <laughs> no. She cut off her leftover <laughs> antidepressants and put them in the food, sprinkled them in the food, intending to kill the whole family. So... <laughs> it's really sad. The husband just came home and there the meal was prepared and the family was at the table, but they were all unconscious. <gasps> and you like just got chills. Yeah, that's a terrifying sight that your family is like at the dining table passed out from the food. That's like a scary movie. So he immediately rushes to them and he can tell that they're still breathing. He calls the doctors. Um, the doctors, like, arrive on scene immediately. Oh, my God. They stabilize her and her two sons by pumping their stomachs. <gasps> and the doctors say that it was honestly a miracle. They say that it was pretty close to all three of them dying. Jesus. Yeah, it was very serious. That's pretty fucked up for her to do that to her. Oh, yeah. It her is children. Messed up. Yeah, it's messed up. It escalated, like, so fast from putting post-it notes. I mean, that was, like, crazy enough. But, yeah, like, it was that fast. So, she Did she obviously... leave a post-it note explaining why she did that? <laughs> yeah. I actually think she did. I was like, does she? But, yeah. Sorry, I'm not laughing because it's funny, but. She might have, honestly. It's just funny because I said that. Sorry. She might have either done that, but I'm sure she told, she explained it to them when she woke up because she woke up in the hospital and she tells the police about her delusions of the man again. She says that, like, that's what she's paranoid about and that's what she was trying to save them from was this man. Jesus. He's going to endanger them. And she really thinks that she's doing the right thing. Like, she is not under the impression that this is, like, that bad. She thought that she had to do what she had to do to save her family. She needs to go back on her medication. Yeah, she does when she's pregnant. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Which, that's... How did she not kill her child? Girl. That is crazy. I know. That is a miracle. It really is. That is messed the hell up. But she is indicted for capital murder on two counts and sent to a psych ward. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's that. How long was she sent there? Do you know? Um, well, so, okay, so Jean gives birth during this time that she's actually in the psych ward to a girl and okay. two years pass while Jane is in the mental institution awaiting a trial. And at trial, she's found not guilty by reason of insanity, which I think is pretty fair. Because, yeah. Yeah. That she is... was pretty mentally unstable. Yeah. So, 
I guess, so that happened. Two years pass, and then they find her not guilty, and she's sent to a state institution. Um, and they found her safe to be around if she has medication. Okay. So they release her a month after her sentence. Wait. So Wait. she served two years in jail awaiting, and they found her not guilty by reason of insanity. And she went to a state institution. Okay. And the state institution said that she's safe and released her after a month. They said that she's safe. She just has to be, like, heavily medicated, basically, and, like, supervised. That is not right. I don't think so. Because she intended... I'm sorry, but she intended to kill them. What if they would have died? They. It was a miracle they didn't. It was a miracle they didn't. But when she was in um, the psych board, they obviously prescribed her a shit ton more medication. And mm-hmm. she actually underwent electroshock therapy. <gasps> oh... I know, that. <laughs> which we obviously know today that was not the cure for anything. So I'm sh- that might have changed her and not for the better, but I mean, I don't know. But at the same time, that's horrible. Yeah, imagine this, yeah. like imagine just giving birth to and then having to your baby obviously would be taken from you. Yeah, and your then. Husband. And then that. And then after that, having to go through electricity. I mean, but what she did was horrible, but oh, at the yeah. same time, that is still horrible. That's also, e- yeah, not equally as horrible, but that's still pretty awful to go through electroshock therapy. But I do think her mental illness is quite severe, so I'm not going to tear yeah. her to shreds for the attempt. Did they say when she got out that she needed to go back on medication? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the doctor literally said. Basically said she can't be released if she's not on medication. I was gonna say she better be on. Her yeah, no, he said like if she is being released, like that's fine, and she's safe if she's medicated. I was gonna say sedate her. Well, la- well, last time she fucking wasn't. Well, this time they need to. Okay, good. But that while that whole ordeal is going on, Jane doesn't want to get help. She thinks it'll hurt her reputation. I mean, obviously, I'm sure from seeing Jean's whole ordeal, she probably just wants to lay low. So she doesn't seek any form of help, and she continues to just struggle in silence and kind of, like, declines as Jean accepts her treatment and, like, her fate. And once she gets... Once Jean um, is released... That whole, that month after she served in the state institution. Served. She served in the state <laughs> institution. In the state institution. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Michael Scott. <laughs> Michael Scott voice. Um, at the deposition when they say, like, are you ready or something? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my, one of my favorite episodes. Oh, same, without a doubt. <laughs> anyway. So, after Jean gets out, she moves to Plano, Texas to get away. So, yeah, she moved from Dallas to Plano. Okay. Obviously, that's really hard on Jane because Jane is still in Dallas. Jane should um, move with her. Get, uh, out, yeah, she get really out of that toxic environment. Yeah, and Jane is divorced from her man. Like, her man got the job there. She's divorced from him, so at this point she should move, but maybe she can't because of the shared custody with her kids. Oh, I didn't think about that. You're right. Yeah, but the move is obviously really hard on her, and her delusions just escalate. 
Um, she would call her friends and say that the man was in the window. <sighs> she kept her house really, really dark and kept all the blinds up. She didn't let, like, anybody look in or any of that nature. So it was just really dark, really creepy. She would always be, like, checking on her blinds and stuff. She literally told people that she thought that this man put a bomb in her car. So... Neighbors would say that they would see her, like, checking the car in the morning multiple times before putting the kids inside to take them to school. Why? I'm surprised she didn't just install a camera to look outside her house and keep an eye on the car. That's what I would do. I don't know. If she was that paranoid, she needed to get some cameras up in this bitch. Yeah, and it's sad because, like, people in the neighborhood said that Jane wasn't, like, friendly, like, overly friendly, but she wasn't quiet. Like, they said it kind of just seemed like she wanted a friend. I don't think she was, you know, super, super social, but they said it kind of seemed like she was lonely. Okay. And, like, she needed somebody. For sure. Sad. Yeah, but they, I mean, I'm sure, though, that people were probably a little, like, hesitant of her if they're seeing her multiple times a week or however often, like, checking her car multiple times before going to it with her kids. That's that would true. Be a little hesitant. That's true. Yeah. So, Jane ends up visiting Jean, and she, yeah, tells Jean that she thinks... That she's being followed by the man. She's really scared. And at this point, Jean kind of, like, puts her head together. I mean, she's, like, highly sedated after her whole stunt. So she is kind of more together. (laughs) Good. Yeah, she's she's okay. And she tells Jean's husband, Clayton, that she's kind of, like, scared. And she tells her to be, um, tells... Jane's husband to be aware of Jane and to kind of keep his eye out for her and the children because she obviously knows that this man is a delusion at this point. So Jane is like, girl, watch out. Watch wow. out for Jane. That's crazy that all of a sudden she just, well, not all of a sudden she just snapped out of it. She snapped out of it once she was on some good yeah, medication she's on, she and she had some received good. Received the help that she needed. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm sure Jane could accomplish too if she would seek help, but it is so sad. I'm sure in the 80s, the stigma on mental health, I'm sure, was just ridiculous. So it makes sense. That she didn't want to, especially if she's watching Jane. This isn't no talk therapy. This is like... She just got electroshocked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't blame her, actually, to be honest. Agreed. And talk therapy is hard enough. Going to therapy every day, once a week, once a month is, like, hard enough. I can't imagine having to be insecured in the 80s. The stigma on that would be through the roof. So... Points were made. Yes, and she comes from a prominent family, so she just, as sad as it is, Jane keeps suffering. Jean has her head together, though. She's like, Clayton, watch the hell out. (laughs) Um, The next day, Jane goes back. um, She gets her kids, the next day after she had that conversation with Jean, she gets her kids from Clayton, who he tells Jane that he really thinks that she needs counseling and then he's, like, really worried for her. But Jane agrees. She says that that's fine if Clayton makes the appointment for her. Okay, good. Yeah, if he makes the appointment for her, she'll go. So he's like, all right, I will. 
he gives her the two kids and um says yeah like i'll call the doctor for you okay yeah good and yeah so he like i think made the appointment and said that her appointment was like the next day okay so that afternoon um he calls jane to talk about the appointment and well i'm sorry um well maybe it was that day anyway he calls her and wants to talk about the appointment and everything that they had talked about. Okay. And she didn't answer the phone, like, all day. It's not good? No. So, he's concerned because he was like, we were just talking and you seemed okay. So, he goes over to check on her and he sees that her car is in the, in the driveway. So, he's like, what the hell? Like, you're obviously there. Why aren't you answering my calls? Okay. So, he goes into the house. I don't like where this is going. You should <laughs> So, right upon entering the house, um, he finds his little son, who is nine, his dead body, with a towel covering it. No. Um, the towel and his body is covered in blood, and he checks his pulse, and he finds that his son is dead, and he... Calls 911 hysterically, obviously, and tells That's them. That's horrible. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he, like, runs outside and calls them and tells them to come. And then he goes back and he goes upstairs and is looking for Jane and his daughter. And he finds Jane. She's in the tub. <gasps> and the daughter is on the floor of the bathroom. And oh they are God. both dead, too. Also from stab wounds. <gasps> Oh, my God. Inflicted by Jane. Um, Jane had stabbed herself in the heart and in the neck. What? Yeah. Isn't that, like, almost impossible? With um, a regular old kitchen knife that they had in the kitchen. I, I they think s- your, mental, oh. your mental couldn't... A normal person's mental could not do... Like, would not be able to do that. To that himself. just gave me anxiety. I know. Physically, I think you would be able to do it. You're right. Jackie's making a motion. Yeah, literally. To cut your own neck is horrible and gruesome enough, but to stab yourself in the heart, <sighs> horrific. So, yeah, she had obviously stabbed her two children as well. And she had put sticky notes all over the house again. Um, And they have, like, they don't have many pictures of this scene, but there are a couple pictures online of the um, sticky notes. And they say, they are angels. Pray for us. Please forgive me. Ew. Ugh, ugh, that's creepy. Yeah, super creeps. Yeah, they said that the post-it notes basically just said that... She thought that she had to do what she had to do to save her kids and that she was sorry, but she had to do that. Fuck. It's very, very sad. And um, at the funeral, her friends kind of all chat and they put the pieces together. And they kind of, I think that's when they really realized the depth of her mental illness as well. I think up to that point, people were really just focusing on Jean. I think at Jane and the kids' funeral, oh, so horrific. 
at their funeral that that was kind of the first time people talked and realized that she too was currently suffering from the same illness just as severely as Jean was and not receiving any help for it. But I will say the escalation of Jane's delusions is crazy. I mean, Jean was really the one who was, you know, doing the post-it notes and thought her house was bugged. So it kind of just seemed like after uh, Jean left. So they both did the post-it note shit? I think um, that Jane only did it when she killed her kids. I think she was just leaving those notes oh. to be found. Oh, like, Jean okay. was doing it to communicate. Like, she remember, gotcha. she wouldn't talk. Okay, so... Jean it, would only communicate through post-it notes. I think this was kind of Jane's suicide note type okay. thing. But it is Don't just wait. crazy to me that Jean was the one who attempted to murder her kids with the food and was really the one who began this delusion in Jane, although her, she told people that she, like, thought she was seeing him, and, you know, thought that someone was gonna bomb her car. Right. She didn't pose, she didn't show that many signs of being a threat to her children. Right. Other than what her husband said when they were getting divorced, that she would take her anger out on the kids. But not physically. Still. Yeah. So... That's it's crazy. That's it escalated nuts. so fast. I just can't get over the fact that both of them tried to kill their kids and one of them succeeded. That is just horrible. And it's just crazy to me that, I mean, fully a doe is just nuts. The fact that that could happen. Yeah. Let me just um say, so I will just say... Everything I just said, all that information was from that Evil Twins episode, basically. Because I could not find anything about, like, their lives. But, obviously, once the murders take place, there's a couple of articles more after that. Um, so, United Press International wrote an article uh, right when this happened. And, so, oh, also that happened in 97. Okay. That happened July 31st. 1997. Okay. So, United Press International said that all three had knife wounds to the neck. Ugh. And, yeah, it was a kitchen knife that was used. So, both children, daughter was six, son was nine. They both had knife wounds to the neck. And that article also said that earlier that day, Jane had given a photo album to a friend, telling the friend to give it to her husband. What the hell? Yeah, so... I don't think the friend, and I think this, like, friend was just kind of, like, a neighbor. Like, someone not super close to her. So, I just think, I don't think what they really th- knew what to say. What were the pictures in it? No, it was just a photo album. Like, a family photo album of, like, the kids and stuff. I don't know. But she gave it to the friend and said, like, give this to my husband. That's um odd. Oh, I okay. I get what you're saying. That's yeah. so odd. Yeah, like she was obviously had planned this in her head earlier that she was going to kill herself and the kids. Oh, um, a God. Dallas Morning News article written the day of the murder said that, I think this little article interviewed some neighbors and they all had said that she seemed kind of lonely and like she wanted friends. But one neighbor allegedly said that they heard a kid crying around the time that the murders allegedly took place, um, crying for their mom, and they 
Investigators said that there was blood on the back door, so they thought that maybe the son might have gotten stabbed and then ran out, and then she chased him and brought him back inside. One of the neighbors heard him yelling. That's the most fucked up thing I've ever heard in my entire life. obviously didn't think that he was getting killed, but yeah, allegedly that is what one neighbor heard. That's from the Dallas Morning Times. And let me just also say, this was on, I'm not going to say the exact address of the house. I mean, I'm sure people could find it anyway if they looked it up. But it was on Purdue Street, north of Lover's Lane. If anybody is in Dallas and knows the area. It was obviously a really nice area, really nice homes. I don't think anything like this had ever happened. What happened to her sister after this? After that, her sister still lives in Texas, and she hasn't seen the man since. I don't know. I really don't think that Jean will ever get custody of her children again. She obviously keeps a very low profile because, like, I couldn't find much about her now. I'm sure people would, if they found out that she tried to kill her whole family, they would probably not want to associate with her. Yeah, so she keeps a low profile. I don't know much about her, but um, she still lived in Texas, they said. And I think she's probably still on medication and hasn't, like, had any delusions. But the husband, um, Jane's husband, Clayton, I'm pretty sure still also lives in Texas and works in real estate. Okay. I could not imagine the devastation of finding both of your children and your wife slain. There's I actually, can't even imagine. That's just it's tragic. There's um a memorial in the name of both of Jane's children too online. I'm so sorry. I'll have to link it in the um, notes because I forgot where exactly to find it because I don't think it's like really updated that much since this happened in the nineties. But if somebody wanted to check that out, yeah, there's a little organization in memory of Jane's children who sadly Mm -hmm. lost their lives at such a young age in such a horrific way. Right. Yeah. So I would assume that maybe she killed the daughter in the bathroom first and then tried to kill the son and he ran and then went back up and killed herself in the tub. And as uh, tragic as it is, too, I hate to say it, but I don't think any of those deaths would be, like... I mean, maybe for the kids, automatic, but for her, I'm sure she had to suffer. Oh, my God. Well, she either slit her throat first or stabbed herself in the heart first, so one of those things had to have hurt, like, a motherfucker. That's horrific. And I couldn't even imagine doing that to yourself. Eek. And that's... For her children, it's so sad and so upsetting, and it's just also sad the fact that I feel like if they would have gotten help, mental help, and put been put on medication when they first saw the man all the way back in their 20s, then yeah. they would have been able to yeah, have a back, better life, I would hope. Back in the early 90s, because it had been six years since uh, Jean had first seen the man, and this happened in 97, so early 90s this could have been kind of maybe not put fully to a stop but gotten a hold of and it's really sad that I feel like the stigma on mental health definitely added to them not or to Jane not seeking 
mental health and it just shows how right. much of a difference treatment can really really make and there's nothing wrong with getting treatment whatsoever oh of course not it's just so tragic i feel so awful for the hopkins families to have to lose a daughter and two grandbabies I and can't... for clayton's family i couldn't even imagine that's just tragic it's tragic it's horrific it's so sad. I'm sorry. We're like, welcome to our podcast. Yeah. That's the first thing we'll talk about. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm sorry. But I wanted to do this story because, no joke, there is no podcast episodes on it. There is, like, nothing on it. And I kind of hope this, like, maybe brings them more to light because it's a crazy-ass tale. And I feel really bad for them. And I want their little babies to be remembered, because that's sad. Uh Uh-huh. That's horrific. But, um, thank you guys (laughs) for coming. Sorry. Yeah, this is horrible to have to say goodbye to you on that note. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I mean, I hope you at least were surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Entertained. But, um, next week, Melissa, yeah, that's me, I'll be telling the story about... Another case of killer twins. So, be ready. Can't wait to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's up, girl. And it won't be a story about us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not us twins. Okay, thanks for coming. We'll see you guys soon. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at Ew That's Creepy Podcast. Or send us an email at you that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.